So, uh, there was a group of us, and we were on uh, the banks of the River Arran, and we found this uh, pipe. And so we bent down, and uh, by sort of peer pressure, every single one of these oiks sort of went in uh, to this pipe. And so about half, half a dozen of sort of began this journey down. And it was easy at the beginning because the sunlight was coming through the entrance. You could see uh, uh, the pipe, you could see the sort of dry floor, and you sort of went in. And um, however, it soon turned a corner, and, um, and suddenly you're plunged into darkness. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, um, but when you lose um, one side, you tend to lean more heavily on another. And so as we uh, lost uh, the sort of availability of daylight, um, we began to rely more heavily on our other senses, and particularly our sense of hearing. And so this, uh, this sort of uh, bravado chatter of these ten-year-olds into this tunnel started to die down. And we started to sort of grope our way forward, not knowing exactly which way to go. And we started to listen intently for every sound. I don't know if you've ever been in pitch blackness, uh, uh, but you can start to hear all sorts of sounds. And suddenly, and I don't know who it was, they swore they could hear the sound of rushing water. Not just a trickle, not just a drip, but a sound of rushing water. And when they said that, everyone's imagination went wild. And suddenly everyone's like, no, I'm, I'm sure I can hear it too. And um, so suddenly this whole group of 10-year-old lads uh, 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 who thought they were as hard as now could swear they could hear like the Niagara Falls coming at them down that pipe. And so we turned, and we weren't sort of Usain Bolt because we were all bent over sort of groping forward, but we as quickly as we possibly could shuffled out of that tunnel. And as we scrambled out of that tunnel, uh, I could clearly hear much to his shame. The toughest lad in our infant school, I won't name him just to protect his identity, um, but if you're in Aaron's side in the year I was, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and as we were running out of that, swearing we could hear sort of, uh, uh, um, sort of masses amount of water coming to threaten to wash us away, he started praying out loud, dear God, dear God, help us. And uh, we sort of rushed out, and there's that sort of pact, isn't it? You just come out, um, you've overcome the terror, and there's a case of, we will never speak of this again. <laughs> you know, our imagination's got the best of us. There was no water, that pipe remained uh, as dry as ever. Sadly, many people, and even Christians, can be complete strangers to devotional prayer. It's not part of their lifestyle, it's not part of their daily routine. However, it may not be common for us, first thing in the morning, to wake up and go uh, uh, launch into a half hour prayer. Um, it is common for the Christian and non-Christian, for the theist and atheist, to cry help in our hearts when trouble hits. Despite all the clever arguments that exist in our time, uh, most people know 
that evil exists. And we conjecture, we think, we know in our heart that there is a higher power that exists. That when all hope of us being able to save ourselves, that higher power might intervene. And so you find it around the world when catastrophe strikes, even the most hardened denier can cry out in their heart, help. So we read earlier, or I read and you repeated, um, a 460 year old translation of the Lord's Prayer. So we recited it together. And as I talk about small children running out of tunnels, crying, help me God, help me God, um, there should be a phrase in it that comes to mind. There should be an aspect of it. You think, oh, that comes in there. There is this phrase, deliver us from evil. Um, I've given up going back through all the different sign language we've got so far. But as far as I can see, um, and I've looked at Church of England sign language and British sign language, as far as I can see, uh, deliver us from evil is something like that. You hold up your palm, uh, you make a cylinder with your hand and then you draw it in, and that's uh, deliver us. Um, and then uh, it's quite interesting, um, evil is lots of different ones. There's, like, so on the internet, from British Sign Language, evil is like this, which I thought was some sort of uh, a sort of rock salute to someone like Iron Maiden or Megadeth. But apparently, it can be sign language evil. But it looks like it's something uh, where you sort of bring up. I can't even do it. My fingers. Um, where you bring up. I think that's supposed to be horns. And so there. Uh, so it's deliver us from evil, and then um, and then that's from. So it's like, deliver evil from us. Um, so that's the, the sign language for that. And as we think of people crying out when times get bad, as we think about this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil, I want to take a moment uh, to look at a time in the disciples' lives. We're going to read, as always, from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, Job, uh, Job, yeah. if I asked you what story would you like from this Bible, what one would you choose? Would, have you got a favourite story from the Jesus Storybook Bible? Never works. Okay. So, <laughs> at bedtime, is can we read this one over every other? But obviously, in public, that all uh, goes uh, to uh, um, pot. And let's say uh, my wife's trying to get it out of him, but he's just uh, not playing ball. So, uh, generally, when he's not in church, it seems, uh, Job really likes this story, perhaps, above all others. And this is the story I want to read this morning. Um, so the sun was going down. The warm was air. Um, the air was warm and still. Perhaps, close your eyes, perhaps allow this story to... Uh, take you to a, a moment from history. Let's go across the lake, Jesus said to his friends. Jesus had been helping people all day and now he was tired. So he left the crowds at the shore and set out in a small fishing boat. Jesus climbed into the boat to take a nap. 
Some of you have closed your eyes and are starting to take a nap already. As soon as his head touched the pillow, Jesus fell asleep. It was a beautiful evening. A gentle breeze rustled the sails. The friends were chatting happily as they headed out into the middle of the lake. Everything was perfect. Just right for a nice, quiet sail. Isn't that good? Isn't that a lovely picture? They're only about halfway across when out of nowhere whirling winds swept across the lake. Fierce and strong like a hurricane. Some of you have been disturbed. You can open your eyes now. You don't have to imagine this. I'll read the story. Fierce and strong like a hurricane. A blinding flash of lightning lit up the sky. Thunder roared right overhead. The storm blew the water into towering waves that hurled the little boat up, 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 and then sent it hurtling, crashing, back down, down, down. The fishing boat was blown and buffeted and tossed and turned back and forth and up and down and left and right and round and round and in the middle of the storm, Jesus was sleeping. Now Jesus' friends had been fishermen all their lives, but in all their years fishing on this lake, they had never once seen a storm like this one. No matter how hard they struggled with the ropes and sails, they couldn't control their boat. This storm was too big for them. And on that cliff edge, like every good TV episode, uh, began to... Uh, uh, Stop for a moment. So, I looked around my house for a, uh, a reenactment of this and it doesn't seem that we have a great collection of sailboats, um, especially first century Palestinian ones. Uh, and uh, so this is the best I could do, which is Grandpa Pig and um, that might be Peppa Pig. We did have George the Pig, but he uh, was lost down the pipe uh, down the back there uh, one Christmas, and uh, so we've uh, even got less passengers uh, than we'd like. So we've got this uh, picturesque lake, you know, everything's well, people are feeling happy and glad. Uh, Jesus, who challenges every preconception and prejudice, he's asleep, so they can perhaps relax a bit and let their hair down. And uh, the chatty fishermen are enjoying the calm lake the beautiful weather, uh, the safe boat, and the company of friends. But, like so often in life, events take a turn. They take a grim turn. I wonder if any of us have been enjoying life when suddenly our pleasant day, our calm waters, our beautiful skies, our safe boat and good company has been brutally interrupted by noisy disaster and deafening catastrophe. You know, everything was going so well and then something happens which just turns the tables. I've seen my own kids happy and chatty and then they can go deathly pale when sickness strikes. 
And with kids, it seems to strike very quickly. Then suddenly their most treasured possession is lost and they go pale. Or when friends that they thought had their back don't. Something that was going so well suddenly turns ugly. For me, there is a catalogue of things that can make even the calmest seas and most beautiful tide skies go ugly. A, uh, a massive unexpected bill, a DIY disaster. There's something about them just strikes my uh, uh, heart cold and I just tend to avoid anything like that at all now, much to uh, um, my family's sadness. We can have a family argument and that can ruin things. Or, uh, I don't know if you've ever had this, an unreasonable boss. You feel like you're doing well and then suddenly they say something that makes you feel worthless or swamped or out of control. It's true, isn't it, that the goodness of a day can be absolutely shipwrecked on the waves uh, of some evil or other. No matter how nice the day has been, the clouds quickly come over and all we can feel is that we're about to be capsized. And often, the storm, like this one in this story, is too big for us. We can't do anything about it. Our actions aren't going to help one way or another. And so we fail to cope. And I'm sure this isn't true for any of you out there. But when we fail to cope, we fail to process what has got on, we can get stressed. We can get angry. We can start to shout and rail, or we can hide away. We saw both of these on the football field yesterday. I scored uh, this tragic own goal, and you can see the goal and look at me, and it was going to be, is he going to be angry, or is he just going to swallow his words and go away? And again and again, we can be uh, uh, confronted with situations that we can't cope with, that are beyond our control, and uh, our emotions get the better of us. And they can be pretty futile. A teacher 2,000 years ago told us the best response. 460 years ago, it was translated into those words that we read earlier because they are very important. When evil hits, when things are out of control, when we feel overcome, Jesus said we should pray. If you are experiencing impossible waves, if you are experiencing intimidating lightning, perhaps even this morning, and these masks that you're all wearing, you know, I can't see your face, whether you are happy and gay and fancy free, or whether you have clouds of work and stress and health over you. But the invite still stands. Let us find what happens in the story.
But the storm wasn't too big for Jesus. Can I have a muffled hallelujah? Hallelujah! Excellent. Help, they screamed. Wake up, quick, Jesus. Jesus opened his eyes. Rescue us, save us, they shrieked. Don't you care? Of course, Jesus cared. And this was the very reason he had come, to rescue them and to save them. Jesus, he stood up and he spoke to the storm. Hush! He said, that's it. That's all he had to say. And the strangest thing happened. There's a bit of artistic license here, but I really like this next phrase. The wind and the waves recognised Jesus' voice. They had heard it before, of course. It was the same voice that had made them in the very beginning. They listened to Jesus and they did what he said. Immediately, the wind stopped. The water calmed down. It glittered innocently in the moonlight and lapped quietly against the side of the boat as if nothing had happened. The little boat bobbed gently up and down again. There was a deep stillness and a great quiet all around. Then Jesus turned to his wind-torn friends. Why were you scared? He asked. Did you forget who I am? Did you believe your fears instead of me? Jesus' friends were quiet, as quiet as the wind and the waves. And into their hearts came a different type of storm. What kind of man is this? They asked themselves anxiously. Even the winds and the waves obey him, they said, because they didn't understand, they didn't realise yet that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus' friends had been so afraid, they had only seen the big waves, they had forgotten that, if Jesus was with them, that they had nothing to be afraid of. No matter how small their boat, or how big the storm. So Jesus is fast asleep. The noise and the motion don't lead him to fret and fuss. Meanwhile, these experienced, hardy fishermen, they look at the storm and they know death is coming. They've experienced storms before and they realise this one is out of the ordinary. And they wake their teacher, the man that has led them. And they asked for help. This is the guy that had brought healing and restoration to lots of others. And they asked for help, and you know that is right and good. However, as they ask, they ask badly. They ask in a panic. They ask in stress and anger. And they say, help us, don't you care? This is the cry of a petulant child. Don't you love me? Why don't you prove it? 
don't you love me? Why don't you do this that I ask of you? This emotional blackmail that these disciples heap on Jesus. And so Jesus first, he deals with the problem. He quietens the wind and the waves. And then after he's quietened the wind and the waves, he quietens his disciples. He shuts them up. Of course, Jesus loves them. They should never doubt that. They need never doubt that. When evil strikes us, and let me tell you, it will, it is good to turn to Jesus and say, help, deliver me, intervene. I could do with a hand here, Lord. Whatever crisis we are facing is actually not a crisis to Jesus. Whatever dilemma, drama or grim set circumstances you are enduring, it is not out of Jesus' control. Jesus made everything he can handle, whatever is going from you. There's nothing you are dealing with that Jesus isn't up to the task. The good thing is, sometimes, and this is the solution we like best, sometimes Jesus calms the storm. He brings healing where there was sickness. He brings restoration where there was disaster. He brings protection where there was attack. And he brings supplies when there uh, was lack of. And many here can testify to moments that God has intervened and answered that cry. Sometimes it's audible and sometimes it's quiet in our heart. Sometimes we cry out, deliver us, and God responds. Other times, Jesus lets the storm rage and he just calms our souls. Now that's not the solution we like. We want the storm to go. And then for our hearts not to be troubled by that thing out there. But I think a sign of maturity and faith is when Jesus allows the storms to go on and he can quieten our heart and suddenly we find out that we do trust Jesus. Suddenly we find that we do have faith. That suddenly we find that the trust that we once confessed is actually something real in us. And so we have here people that will say, you know, I got healed, I got money, I got whatever I needed to see that storm uh, stilled. And I praise the Lord for it. And we get excited because that is something obvious and clear. But often, Jesus wants to calm the inner rather than the outer. And many here can also confess that Jesus not only heals and brings uh, stuff to change the circumstances, but he changes the inside too. And so there are people here and online that have an internal peace and calm when poverty strikes. They are calm and peaceful, not because they are not impoverished, but because of Jesus' uh, effect on their hearts. We've had people deal with health scares and even cancer 
and God has calmed their hearts. They're not in control, the cancer has not gone away, but God has brought that quietness so that they can trust in him. People have been abandoned in relationships and while the situation is way out of control, their hearts are calm. Friends, we act like immature kids if we imagine every storm is proof of God not caring. If we imagine every catastrophe and crisis is a proof that God does not care. Jesus loves us. He can't prove that anymore. He knows us. We looked at that. That was the first thing we looked at. With God, he knows the hairs in your head. There is nothing about you that he does not, he is not aware of. He came. He lived, he died, he rose again. So that you could have eternal life. There is no aspect of yourself that he has not demonstrated clear love. And ultimately, when these bad bones expire, and everyone, even Samuel and Carlitos and Miles, even their bones will go to the grave. But God has made a way to see eternal life. Whatever temporary drama you are dealing with, ultimately Jesus has dealt with it all and eternal life is yours. When you cry, deliver us from evil, Jesus has accomplished that in eternity. And when you cry now, deliver us from evil, Jesus says, it is coming, my friend. You can trust that. Take it to the bank. Friends, in the storm drains and storms of life, let me encourage you to cry, deliver us from evil. Whatever you're going through, cry out, deliver us from evil. Jesus asks you to cry out. He says, pray it. Christians 460 years ago decided that it was quite important even for English speakers to know it. So they translated it uh, in the Bible we read earlier. Cry out, deliver us. If you are unsure of who Jesus is, cry out, deliver us, and see what happens. But don't let the storm drains and storms capsize your faith. Don't let them bring you to a place where you question constantly Jesus' love of you. Because all you're asking is for a fairy godmother. You don't actually want a relationship with your saviour. And so we end with this invite of, uh, I'm going to forget it now, uh, deliver us from evil. And then I've adjusted it for my sentence. Um, but cry out, deliver us from evil. Uh, please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we are very aware sometimes that we are weak, that we are inadequate, that we make poor choices and poor decisions, that, Lord God, we uh, are not in control as we would like to imagine. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have invited us to cry to you, deliver us from evil. Lord, we are very well aware 
of the evil that exists out there. And Lord God, we need your help. Lord God, I pray for those people that are facing evil in their lives this morning. Lord God, deliver them. Lord God, we ask for healing and restoration. We ask for uh, uh, supplies. Lord God, we ask for needs to be met. But Lord God, more critically, more importantly, we ask that our relationship with you would mature so that we too can sleep in the storm, so that we too can rest our heads in crisis, so that we too uh, can have a calmness in peace no matter what is going on in the world outside. Lord God, I thank you, Jesus, that you have done everything needed to show us that you love us. Lord God, I thank you, Jesus, that you died on that cross so that we uh, may be delivered from evil in eternity. Lord God, I just thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.